a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, you know, it's the end of the year where you can either look back or you can look forward, right? I mean, that's sort of what we do right now. You look back, and we kind of have. We talked with Stephen Gutowski not long ago about the uh, the year of constitutional carry, which I think is one of the big stories for Second Amendment advocates this year. But looking forward into 2022, what are some of the big fights we expect to see? Obviously, constitutional carry is going to continue to be an issue uh, in states like Ohio, uh, Georgia, uh, Alabama, I think Indiana, uh, maybe even Pennsylvania. We're going to see this again, although, you know, we're going to need a new governor before we get constitutional carry there. Uh, we've got the Supreme Court dealing with the New York May issue laws, right? New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. That decision is going to be handed down probably next June at some time. Uh, gun control advocates are going to be pushing hard to ban the sale of unserialized and home-built firearms, you know, the, the scary ghost guns. We're going to see a lot of that next year. Uh, and in New Hampshire, they are gearing up for a fight over firearms preemption. Now, New Hampshire already has a firearms preemption law on the books, but what Republicans are hoping to do is to basically borrow a page from Florida. Uh, the state of Florida also has firearms preemption, but a few years ago, they put in place a law that's basically preemption with teeth. Uh, if a locality, if, if, if officials in a locality decide to pass a local gun control ordinance that violates the state's preemption law, there should be consequences for that. And right now, there's really not uh, in New Hampshire. In Florida, what lawmakers did was they said, all right, here's the deal. Um, if these laws don't get taken off of the books and, and they are indeed in violation of the firearms preemption law, we're going to let people sue. Uh, and there are going to be repercussions for those officials for acting, for knowingly acting to keep a law on the books that was in violation of state statute. And that's what they're trying to do in New Hampshire. Take a look at this. A uh, bill moving to the Senate floor in early January would explicitly bar towns and cities from enacting farmers' regulations on municipal-owned property. and would allow residents to sue the town to force officials to remove the ordinances. Residents who sue could get $10,000 in court settlements. Town officials who lose a lawsuit could be forcibly removed by the governor. The bill, House Bill 307, has pitted farm rights groups from the NRA to Gun Owners of America against town officials and gun safety advocates. Yeah, gotta call them, you can't call them gun control fans. Oh no, gotta be gun safety advocates. And it's reignited debates over how far local control should extend in the state. Uh, House Bill 307 calls for, quote, uniform firearm laws in the state by requiring towns to immediately remove any local ordinances or regulations on firearms. But the mechanism to do so uh, is unusual, according to the New Hampshire Bulletin. Now, again, it's really not all that unusual. We've seen other states like Florida uh, that have passed similar measures. But here's how it would work in New Hampshire. If a person thinks a town's passed a firearm regulation of violation, then they write a letter to the town saying, hey, you're not allowed to do this. Once the town gets the letter, then officials there have 90 days to remove the regulation. Uh, and after 90 days, if the town has not removed the regulation, then the person is allowed to take the matter to court, where the bill would give the person automatic standing to sue. The court could then issue a fine to the town, ranging from 5000 or excuse me, 500 to $5,000, depending on whether the violation was, quote, inadvertent or was committed purposely, knowingly, recklessly, or as the result of gross negligence. It could also be, by the way, 
that a judge could come back and say, actually, the town's fine. The town's allowed to write this ordinance. It's it's not in violation of the state fire experimental law. So, nope, sorry, you filed a, uh, a, a, a false complaint or your complaint is without merit. Not the New Hampshire Bulletin acknowledges that possibility, but it is a possibility. It's not that these towns are automatically going to be found guilty. But if, in fact, they are violating state law, there would be consequences. What's wrong with that? Now, if the person suing the town is a resident of the town, the court shall award them $10,000 in damages in addition to their attorney's fees. And if a court finds that an official has violated the new law, then the governor could forcibly remove that official from office under this legislation. Note again, the word could. Is it likely to happen unless this uh, was a, a completely and utterly egregious violation? I'd argue no. But it's a possibility. And as you can imagine, <clears throat> to gun control advocates, not big fans. Uh, they say it's a, quote, disproportionate intrusion into local affairs. Uh, one of them said, a quote, it could have a chilling effect, I think, on how our local elected officials may act. What, what items staff might recommend? To which the bill sponsor says, yeah, that's kind of the point. Uh, Norman Silber says that there needs to be teeth. He says, there was concern by myself and others. And what I commonly refer to as the Second Amendment community, people who are ardent supporters of the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, that we needed to do something to strengthen the existing preemption law. And this does it. So, of course, the town officials, well, we don't, we don't like this. We could be sued. We, we could be removed. Yeah. If you do something that's against the law, yeah, you get face consequences for that. Now, here's the thing. Abide by the law. Don't try to... Uh, stretch the boundaries of the firearms preemption law beyond all recognition, respect the Second Amendment rights of residents, and you don't have any issues here, right? Well, again, the defenders of these uh, uh, officials have a different argument. Cordell Johnson, who is the Government Affairs Counsel at the New Hampshire Municipal Association, sees the law in a darker light. Yeah. To Johnson, he says the bill would close off the one area in which he says towns do have the authority to regulate firearms, their own property. But he says the disciplinary measures and fines against town officials pose an even bigger problem. He says, quote, town selectmen are volunteers. With rare exceptions, they're not legal experts. They're not lawyers. And they're not intimately familiar with the limits of town authority. And so towns inadvertently pass ordinances all the time that may not be within their authority. By the way, not a great excuse. Not a great excuse. Well, they're just too dumb to know what's going on. No, I'm sorry. And again, if 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 something was inadvertently passed, then under this bill, the first thing that happens is somebody writes a letter to the town saying, hey, you all passed something you're not allowed to pass. So that starts the clock, right? And then the town has 90 days, has three months to look at the ordinance that was just passed. Hopefully you've got a town attorney. If not, maybe you send it out to... Uh, uh, an attorney say, can you look this over? Can you look at the uh, New Hampshire state law? Are we in trouble? Do we need to get this off the books? And if the attorney comes back and says, yeah, yeah, this is problematic, then you take the ordinance off the books and you don't get sued. And there are no fines and there are no repercussions for local officials who knowingly and willfully violated the law because you've taken steps to mitigate the damage that you've done. Again, that's not difficult. But for Cordell Johnson, it is. He says a town might pass a rent control policy that's not authorized to or a speed limit that's not allowed. In cases where the policy is not legal, the resident may take the matter to court and strike the ordinance down. 
But he says, uh, you know, this is intended to be hostile to local government. He said, what's the next thing? If they impose a speed limit where they're not allowed to, are they going to be fined for that? I mean, I guess they could be. Is that as big an issue as what we're seeing right now? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not in New Hampshire. But the idea that that officials should be immune from the consequences of of their decisions that violate the law is absurd. It's absurd. Again, the way this bill is crafted doesn't appear to me like it's actually all that punitive. Yeah, there is a punitive portion, but only for those officials who ignore the law. If you've got responsive officials, again, when they're told, hey, there's a problem with this ordinance you just put in effect, then they've got three months to resolve that issue before it even possibly goes to court. And again, if a case does go to court, they are perfectly entitled to defend that ordinance and say, no, we, we are allowed to do this under the law. It is only, again, if a judge comes back and says, actually, no, you're not. And you had plenty of opportunities to resolve this. You had plenty of opportunities to take this off the books. Instead, you decided to willfully ignore what the law is, defend it in court, and no, you're wrong. You've lost, and now there are consequences. Again, I, I don't see this as some uh, 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 truly dark and dangerous bill. Does it, again, uh, take away some of the authority that municipalities currently have in New Hampshire? Yes, it does do that. It does apply a truly uniform standard across the entire state. It does say that the state legislature is going to be the body that sets the gun laws for the state of New Hampshire. Yes, it does do that. I, again, believe that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But uh, gun control activists... Again, obviously, I have a very, very different point of view. They see this as a uh, another setback in the live for your die state. And hopefully, this bill, which has already cleared the New Hampshire House, it's already cleared a Senate committee, should be on the Senate floor in early January. Hopefully, this bill will get to Governor Sununu's desk. It will be signed into law. Uh, but in order for that to happen, it would be incredibly helpful if uh, New Hampshire gun owners uh, talk to their state senators and urge them to support House Bill 307. We'll keep our eyes on this bill and the inevitable litigation that's going to follow because we've seen this in Florida. Municipalities, once Florida passed their preemption with teeth, a couple of municipalities teamed up with, I believe it was Everytown, or it might have been Giffords. It was one of the gun control groups. Uh, and they launched a lawsuit, which is currently still making its way through the state courts. So I expect that if this bill in New Hampshire becomes law, we'll see similar litigation. I don't think it's ultimately going to be successful, but I think we will see a lawsuit to try to keep these local gun control ordinances in place. All right, turning our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Let's start there from Chicago, the website CWB Chicago, with the story of an 18-year-old who received probation for three robberies as a juvenile just last year, who is now charged with armed carjacking. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, according to police, Larry Grant back on December 11th, was one of three hijackers who allegedly pointed guns at the head of a man uh, in Chicago. They took his phones, they drove away with his car. Uh, while police, they say, were speaking with the victim, they heard about a car crash nearby that seemed to involve the car that had been carjacked, and uh, in fact, it was indeed uh, the vehicle that had just been stolen. Uh, an Illinois state trooper who heard about the carjacking on the radio saw it pass by them and then saw the car crash. Three guys then ended up running from the vehicle. The trooper arrested Larry Grant, 
who is allegedly the driver of that car. They also chased down a juvenile who ran from the car's back seat. When they arrested him inside a laundromat, he had a 22 caliber rifle hanging from his chest, as well as a 9mm handgun on his front side. No FOID card, by the way. No fire motor ID card for that uh, juvenile. Mm-mm. No concealed carry license. Some of all of the vaunted gun control laws in Illinois didn't f- prevent that uh, juvenile from illegally obtaining a firearm. Uh, now, that victim allegedly identified Grant as one of the hijackers, so he's now charged with aggravated vehicular hijacking with a firearm, possessing a stolen motor vehicle, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Prosecutors say that he was also adjudicated delinquent in juvenile court last year for two aggravated robberies as well as one robbery. And for those three robberies, he received two years probation. Yeah. Also had an active arrest warrant for domestic battery in Cobb County at the time of the carjacking. Uh, Grant's defense attorney says he has three kids, works at Popeye's, regularly attends mass. He's a good guy who just got caught up in a little bit of trouble. Uh, You know, listen, if he's working, he's a dad, if he's regularly going to church, all of those good things. But if you're also carjacking people, if you're also committing armed robberies, those are very bad things, and there should be consequences. Beyond two years probation, which is a huge issue. I mean, we could do an entire show just on the juvenile justice system and how it is failing right now. It's failing to rehabilitate juvenile offenders. It's failing to uh, uh, deliver consequences to juvenile offenders. And as a result, juvenile crime is uh, skyrocketing in many parts of the country. Now, today's armed citizen story from Atlanta, Georgia, where police say a shooting in the northwest part of the city uh, appears to be self-defense. This was Monday morning. Investigators say one person was shot. Uh, The homeowner not facing charges at this time. Uh, Police officers saying that a resident saw someone in their carport uh, and then, quote, shot and killed them. That according to uh, Channel 2 in Atlanta. I I think there's more to the story than just, oh, I saw somebody in my carport and then I shot them. Uh, the, uh, homeowner is apparently, uh, talking with police, cooperating with the investigation. Uh, uh, the homicide unit commander there at the Atlanta police department, Ralph Woolfolk, so still in the early stages of the investigation, try to determine all of the details as to what happened. Uh, but investigators are classifying this case as a justifiable shooting and say the homeowner appears to have been protecting himself from an intruder. So hopefully we'll get more details on that self-defense story in the days ahead. Finally today, our good deed of the day, Auburn, Alabama, where a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a man at lunch the other day. Uh, Captain Lorenzo Dorsey, a 35-year veteran of the uh, Auburn, Alabama Police Department. But uh, yeah, he was out of lunch with a co-worker. This was last week. He was in uniform. And uh, somebody alerted him to something that was going on at another table. He said, I could see a gentleman was choking. And there was another gentleman behind him trying to do the Heimlich maneuver, and it wasn't working. It was a crisis, he said. I could tell by his face and his wife's face that they were scared. So I took the place of the other guy trying to do the Heimlich. I took over. And my thinking was, uh, I'm not going to stop this. I'm, I'm going to continue. And by the third time, he says, it came out. He was able to recover and restore his airway. Uh, again, in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. He also says, by the way, that anybody can do this by learning CPR and the Heimlich. He says, once you have that training, if something happens, you feel like you can step in and help, not just me as a police officer, but for anybody. He said, I'm just so thankful that he's okay, so grateful that uh, he is okay. Thanks again to the uh, life-saving efforts of Captain Lorenzo Dorsey with the Auburn, Alabama Police Department. That is going to do it for this edition of Marion Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. We will be back tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow is going to be the last 
Cam and Company of the Year before we uh, head into the holidays. I'm going to be taking some time off. Uh, so uh, who knows? We might try to do something fun. What What's the What's the better? We're probably not going to be this topic, but uh, what is the you know better Christmas movie with guns? Die Hard or a Christmas Story? Is it the Red Rider? Is it uh, Little Ralphie? Is it John McClane? Hmm. You can weigh in if you want in the comments here, and uh, maybe we'll get to some of your comments tomorrow. Or it's entirely possible we'll have a completely different topic. But uh, I do plan on watching both of those movies at some point on Christmas Day. All right. We will be back tomorrow. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free. 